Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's pull list for new comics on sale March 25th, 2020. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. Maybe things sound a little bit different. That's because we are recording from home, but we've got it on lock. We are conferencing in. We are doing all the exciting stuff to get every new episode of Marvel's Pull List to you because we read every single Marvel comic that comes out every week, and uh, we want you guys to know why you should check them out. So we're going to talk about all the new print issues, stuff that's hitting collections, and what is hitting Marvel Unlimited. Tucker, how are you doing these first couple of days working from home? I think I'm doing just fine, you know, trying to stay uh, productive, stay active, like remind, go outside every now and then or just to or just look up, poke my head out my window to remind myself that the sky exists. How about you? How are you? How are you, how are you doing up there? Good. I have a baby who sometimes wants to be my assistant, which means no work gets done. Um, and she's fabulous. Uh, she passed out in my arms while I was writing notes for This Week in Marvel. So everything's moving along swimmingly. But while we're working from home, we know a lot of our listeners are as well, um, and there's a lot going on out there. We want to make sure that everybody gets their comics. Of course, you know, you're going to get your new Marvel Comics releases. Please reach out to your local retailer, your local comic shop about whatever services they may offer, because a lot of shops will hold the books for you, will create pull lists for you, offer curbside pickup, offer delivery, or a ton of other options to help make sure you get their books, but also to make sure that they stay afloat. This is These are all local, mostly like family-owned businesses. So it's important we all stick together in this time. Of course, if you don't have a local comic shop and you want to find one, you can go to comicshoplocator.com. Tucker, you know how important this is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been thinking about it all week and, uh, yeah, just absolutely encourage people to dig in. Everybody wins that way. Everybody wins. I put a tweet out from myself at Agent M uh, just saying, hey, if you are a comic shop or you're supporting a comic shop and you're doing something to help out your customers and the people who come to your shop, let me know. I want to shout it out here on the show. And I even found out that Leah Williams, one of our writers who's you know working on a million books right now, Leah has been doing some really cool stuff because she's putting together a sort of interactive map about which shops are offering different types of things like curbside pickup, shipping, the stuff that we just talked about. You can find her on Twitter at, at MyMonsterIsChic, C-H-I-C, uh, to see that map that's out there. We also saw that someone on Twitter, aka Morgan, at GoTAGEAUXTA, has actually also done a thread of comic shops worldwide offering mail subscription services. So those are two great resources. But, you know, I, I heard from Double Midnight Comics and Games in Manchester and Concord, New Hampshire. They're doing mail order and curbside delivery. Comic Town in Columbus, Ohio is. Uh, uh, doing some stuff, shout outs from some of their customers. Red Pegasus Comics in Dallas, Texas is offering curbside service on Wednesdays and Saturdays. That was a shout out from one of our listeners, Simon Williams. Always good to hear from Simon. Wade's Comic Madness in Levittown, Pennsylvania is doing curbside pickup. Free shipping! Free shipping, super important. Pals of Mine, uh, Jetpack Comics in Rochester, New Hampshire, um, they're doing curbside pickup, local national delivery, and tons more. A&S Comics in Teaneck, New Jersey is doing stuff. Austin Books in Austin, Texas is also doing some great stuff. Thanks to one of our listeners, Chengo ATX. Um, Comic Conspiracy in Sunnyvale, California. They are closed due to the shutdown in Santa Clara County, 
but still receiving the shipments. They can actually set up subscriptions for you, new accounts, shipping orders, all kinds of fun stuff. So especially shops like that, that really need the help. It's great. And if you are across the pond in Mario, Ireland, Pals of mine, again, Big Bang Comics in Dublin are doing a ton of curbside pickups, a lot of mail order and all kinds of stuff across Ireland. So those are just a sampling of some of the shops. If you have a shop that you want us to shout out, please let us know. We are happy to do this. We want to support. We want to share. We want to spread the love and spread the awareness that everybody can get their comics uh, however they need to. Absolutely. Uh, but that's enough of that right now. We need to get into the books because this was a heck of a week before we even started recording. We were like, wow. This is a great week of comics. It's very exciting. We have some really good picks, and I'm going to start things off with 2020 Force Works, number two, written by Matthew Rosenberg, with art by Juan Ramirez and Roberto DeSalvo, colors by Federico Blee, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This one was a fun one. I felt like Maddie was uh, did a little something in this book for your old pal, Agent M, because Force Works gets a new member. It is the best member. It is the only member that counts. And it's a member I will not spoil, but it also has a whole bunch of Deathlocks in this issue fighting not just the Forceworks team, but Ultimo. Tucker, do you, were you familiar with Ultimo before this? No, I wasn't. Ultimo is cool. He's just this big, uh, giant, scary robot monster. Actually goes back to the Tales of Suspense days, created by Stan Lee, Gene Colan. But he's a cool robot. And who doesn't love cool, big, giant robots? Yeah, I feel like Force this book is such a Matt Rosenberg book because it's a team book. It's got like ton of team, like incredible team dynamic kind of energy. It has crazy action in the way that we've gotten to like, know Matt is so good at with his Punisher run specifically. And then also that kind of thing where it's just like these super deep cuts, which I love. Yeah. And uh, we'll make sure to put that issue of Tales of Suspense in our Marvel Unlimited reading list. Again, that'll be in the Marvel Unlimited app on the, the website. Nice. All right. My first book this week is also my first pick of the week. It is Amazing Spider-Man number 42. It's written by Nick Spencer with pencils by Ryan Otley, inks by Cliff Rathburn, colors by Nathan Fairbairn, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This was such an unexpected issue. I could never have guessed that this is where we were going to go in this issue. Obviously, has been so expansive and has introduced so many different storylines, so many different threads, all very Spider-Man at the same time, but still uh, so huge in scope. This issue, we kick off with Gog, who is this like enormous monster alien character. Uh, Spidey and Boomerang are trying to deal with that. And then something very, very fascinating happens. We dig into the story of Gog to do that and to kind of just leap across the universe in the way that we do in this issue and just dive into this story that ends up being incredibly personal, incredibly touching, moving with a character that we're just really getting to know for the first time. I mean, it's it's really unbelievable. And I think it speaks to the power of why Nick Spencer is such an incredible writer, because you just go with him on this journey. You say, okay, well, whoa, we're doing this. You, you know, you, you turn the page here and you realize like, oh, okay, okay. And uh, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, you kind of get to know this character that you're introduced to as this big threat, this big villain. And then you just have an enormous amount of empathy and sympathy for this character in so many different ways. It's such a personal story. What I love about that 
is at the end of this story, now we have kind of conflicted emotions because of course we're alongside Spidey. We're always going to be alongside Spidey in this story. But now we have this unbelievable knowledge of, of this character that he's at odds with and being able to play in that gray area, in that difficult dynamic is something that I'm looking forward to even more moving forward. I think that kind of complexity is exactly what Amazing Spider-Man is all about. So, so good. I loved it. I loved it. Another issue I loved is Black Panther number 22, written by ta Coates, with art by Daniel Cunha and Ryan Bodenheim, colors by Daniel Cunha and Chris O'Halloran, with letters by VCs Joe Sabino. There is a sequence in this issue in the Jalia, which is the, the place of Wakandan ancestral memory. You kind of see it if you know Marvel Studios' Black Panther. We've seen it a lot in the pages of Black Panther that Coates has written, and it is one of my favorite sequences in Tanahasi's entire run. Uh, one of my favorite sequences in comics this year. It's the way it's set up, the way it's paced. It is pitch perfect. It is gorgeous. Everything is incredible. I want to give another special shout out to editors Will and Sarah for including a page of supplemental reading, which I always love seeing. It's something that we try to provide here on the show, but when it's in the books, it's it's super helpful as well. It's issues that were flashed back to in this particular issue and influence the story that Tanahasi's building. And it's just a reminder that Tanahasi Coates, he's a master and he pulls from such a wide array of sources and builds it and layers it into a story. He is so deep into Marvel continuity. Man, he's so good. Okay, after Black Panther, now we move on to Falcon and the Winter Soldier number two. It's written by Derek Landy with art by Federico Vincentini, colors by Matt Mila, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I am so impressed with this issue and with this series so far because it is just punch after punch after punch. It's so fast-paced. It never stops. I'm so into the villain dynamic that's set up and explored further in this issue. I think it totally takes advantage of the kind of high-octane, fast-paced story that you would expect from two characters like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And then, you know, it also layers in these really, really great moments of, like, levity and really great laughs. Um, Yeah, super impressed so far. All right, up next is my first pick of the week. It is Fantastic Four Marvel's Snapshot number one. I love this so much. These snapshot issues crush it. This one is written by Evan Dorkin and Sarah Dyer with art by Benjamin Dewey, colors by Jordi Belair and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So if you don't know Evan Dorkin, Evan created Milk and Cheese, one of my all-time favorite comic book series. It's a just crass, rude 90s indie comic about a piece of cheese and a carton of milk who just cause mayhem and violence and are rude and it's really funny he also worked on the bill and ted comics that we published in the 90s that have been reprinted a bunch he's done uh, amazing work in a ton of other places sarah dyer is evan dorkin's partner but she's been a writer on space ghost and a ton of other comedies and animated series and like she's so friggin' funny and good and then you put the two of them together it is magical and then benjamin dewey comes in with this indie comic style art that works so well because it's a story about the fantastic four but really it's a story about johnny storm but really it's a story about the effect that the fantastic four has on people around them when you say the title of the series is snapshot that is such a perfect description of what this is this is a snapshot of 
the people around Johnny Storm, particularly who he grew up with, like the town he's from, which gives us this like this sense of reality. And you dig into how that place is affected by being the birthplace of one of the world's greatest superheroes or two of the world's greatest superheroes. And they even talk about how Sue, it's like, she's not the showboater. It's not, you know, she's not the one who comes and shines there. It's Johnny who keeps coming back, who does all this stuff, but just the way they layer in the different POVs, the personal accounts, the reporters who are kind of doing a story, how they layer in Johnny's perspective and then Johnny's role in things and the way it all folds in together I was gobsmacked. It was so good. It was kind of the perfect way to do this type of story. And I'm so glad um, we put this together. If you're not familiar, the Marvel snapshot books are sort of architected by Kurt Busiek. And so this is his like way of saying, here are some great storytellers. They're going to tell this interesting story. It's going to be unlike anything else. Go. And that's what it is. It's, it's so great. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're looking for some further reading on how Kurt decided on what stories to tell, how he wanted to cast these books, uh, how he thought of this creative team as the perfect one to tell this story, Ben Morris wrote an excellent piece for Marvel.com. It's a great interview with Kurt. Super long, plenty of really fascinating points in there and a ton to dig into. Uh, Next up, though, we have Giant Size X-Men Nightcrawler number one, written by Jonathan Hickman, but the story is also by Alan Davis, who takes care of the art in this issue with colors by Carlos Lopez and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. You know, I've been really digging these Giant Size X-Men stories. I think they feel very Jonathan Hickman uh, in terms of just their remit, in terms of just saying, like, here's a character we're just going to throw into a story and explain explore in a in any given kind of gauntlet we can put them through and uh, that kind of no holds barred kind of boundaryless thing has been a, a a really fascinating calling card of the dawn of x at large so to have these little one shots has been so much fun we kick this story off with something very very fascinating the very first panel of this book is the mansion is uh the x mansion in westchester and then a group of mutants including nightcrawler magic is there iboy cypher lockheed they pop in to the mansion and they're looking for something they're kind of exploring they're on one of these one-shot missions it's really really cool from there it completely goes in a direction that i never would have anticipated it's very weird it's very different the twists and turns that we take along the way is so, so interesting. You know, there's no such thing as no strings attached when it comes to Jonathan Hickman. Everything means something. Everything is tied to something else. Everything is incredibly deliberate. So uh, exploring this story is super fun in uh, in a variety of ways. Yeah, and if you are an Alan Davis fan, uh, if you dig his art, um, there's something really cool because he's inking himself in this issue. And so the art looks a lot more neil adams influenced it's the the way it's done it's darker thicker lines it's really cool it's a different look for a lot of what we've seen from alan davis especially of late um but the next book is hellions number one written by zeb wells art by steven segovia colors by david curiel letters by vc's Corey pettit oh man how 
much is Zeb on fire right now? I know. It's crazy. He's doing such good work. We've seen him on Ant-Man and Spider-Ham and just like crushing it. All his books are infused with humor, but I think this is the one that's more cross-genre, like the least amount of humor while still being extremely funny. Hey, so to talk about Hellions, number one, we wanted to get the word from one of the editors on the book. So we asked Marvel assistant editor Annalise Bissa about the tone of Hellions, number one, and telling new stories. And here's what she has to say. You know, this this isn't Ant-Man. This isn't Spider-Ham. This is like a little bit of a darker Zeb Wells experience. <laughs> but Jonathan Hickman and Jordan White have been pretty explicit about like, we want to avoid throwing back to the way it used to be. But to some extent, like these stories are all a little bit about the past because all of the characters are on this team because of things they've done. And as much as Krakoa presents itself as the solution to mutant kind, you know, and all of their problems and everybody can come and have amnesty and you're all good and you're a citizen of Krakoa now, you know, you can't necessarily undo all the bad things in your past. And some of these folks don't want to. And that's part of what we see in in issue one. So you get the solution of Hellions. Then Annalise came back. She also shared her take on the sibling dynamic between the Summers brothers, Cyclops, and Havoc in particular. As a younger sibling myself, I feel slightly too attached to Havoc with like the great older sibling who's, you know, the, the captain commander of Krakoa and Havoc's kind of left in the background just like, okay, I'm, I'm over here now. And he's like, I'm on the bad guy team. I don't know how this happened. I mean, really, like the Summers brothers are are not healthy generally, but we love them. <laughs> Annalise, do we all love the Summers brothers? I mean, come on. Do we? Uh, Cyclops is kind of a ding dong, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, but more importantly, thank you for talking to us and talking to the listeners. But this book features a bunch of characters that are probably not super well known. I want to run them down really quick because Zeb and the, the company do a great job of giving you a little bit of light on who they are. But if you want to learn a little bit more, you've got Empath, who is a member of the original Hellions. You can read the old New Mutants books for that. Nanny and Orphan Maker, who are bonkers, weird mutant characters. I love them. Um, they were introduced in X-Factor in the late 80s during Louise and Walt Simonson's run. Nanny is a small egg-shaped woman, like a woman in like an egg thing who is mm -hmm. a nanny to Orphan Maker, who is like a boy in a giant, almost indestructible suit. It's, it's terrifying and weird, and their dynamic is going to freak you out. Uh, Wild Child is like a small, compact extra feral version of Sabretooth. And if you know your Age of Apocalypse, I mean, that's right. Like you look at him, yeah. it's like they shrunk down Sabretooth, uh, like took away most of the muscles, but then made him completely feral. Yeah. Uh, if you know Age of Apocalypse, he's the little dude on the chain that Sabretooth leads around. He was introduced in the pages of Alpha Flight back in the 80s. Uh, Scalp Hunter is one of the original Marauders from the Uncanny X-Men uh, run in the 80s. He's one of the evil mutants who did the mutant massacre, but he can basically turn metal into guns. Plus, you also have Psylocke and Sinister uh, and Havoc in the book. It is just wonderful the the idea is that all the people on this team are th the worst and they need an outlet for their aggression and their the the violence that they just can't stop themselves from inflicting and so this team is put together by sinister to just like go take care of some stuff uh my next book is immortal hulk number 30 
three. Uh, and it also happens to be my second pick of the week. Oh, man. You know, if you thought that this series was strange and out there and the most imaginative but also the most messed up thing that you could ever imagine or ever think of, then I, I just feel like it keeps growing exponentially. We've dug into some amazing cosmic stuff over the course of those 10 or so issues, but while also having like a healthy grounding in what's going on on Earth this issue, for me, kind of is like the perfect encapsulation of what this book is because you have these huge epic moments. You have crazy body horror. Uh, you have a great cliffhanger. There's so much going on here. Anyway, it's all written by Al Ewing. Uh, and then there are a couple different sequences in here. The main sequence, the main story is penciled by Joe Bennett with inks by Roy Jose, Bellardino Bravo, Mark Deering, and Mark Morales with colors on that main story by Paul Mounts. And then we have a different sequence that's has art by Nick Tara with colors there by Michael Garland uh, and letters throughout are by VC's Corey Pettit. The way that Al Ewing tells stories is, I think, so, so fascinating. Ryan, your second pick of the week, I think, has an interesting, we'll get there, we haven't gotten there yet, but I think has an interesting kinship with the spirit of what I'm talking about here because it's strange, it's expansive. But it's also really, really driven by character at the heart of it. And that's the best thing about it. Because when you have these unbelievable moments that burst through your character, burst through your story, if they're tied at the core, at the heart of it, to something that really touches you on the inside and you really identify with and the work has been put in there to have you understand what's really going on at the core of this, no matter how far out there you get, you can still feel it on a visceral level. And I think that's an incredibly hard thing to do. If I was introducing to someone a moral Hulk, obviously I would just give them issue number one and say, okay, there you go. You're obsessed now, guaranteed. But in terms of a midway, like middle of the series check-in point, I think this is the issue I would give someone because I think it encapsulates so much of what I loved immediately about this series and what I think is so special about this book as a whole. The way that Al Ewing takes things that, you know, have no right in being as grand, as epic, as horrifying as they end up being and, and, and contorting them and converting them into something that is so impactful, is so, so incredible. I think Zemnu is like, just the latest example of that. I mean, he's this giant kind of like furry, like, like, uh, uh, what's the thing, Ryan, that lives like, that supposedly lives like, uh, and like. Abominable snowman? Yeah. He kind of looks like that. <laughs> a little bit. There's times where he, like the owl writes him saying, I'm very hungry. And it is just so unnerving and so yeah. perfect. Well, that's exactly what I mean is I say that because like that's what that's where visually I go with these things. Obviously, we know that Zemu has like deep roots in Marvel history, but then to lift this character from those deep roots, lift this character from what, you know, it might appear to be on the surface level and create something so, like you said, spine chilling in so many different ways is so unbelievable. If you're not reading Immortal Hulk, what are you doing? Get in there right now and honestly i mean there's probably no better time 
than to just like invest your brain in this series than right now? Yes and no. I will give it a little <laughs> bit of a caveat that the whole series, but this issue in particular is gross. It is got tons That's true. of body horror. This is not an uplifting book. This is a book yeah, that is... It's not a lighthearted romp. Right. It is a. It is a book that is going to captivate you and is incredible but it's not something that'll like like make you laugh right (laughs) yeah uh another book that will not make you laugh is jessica jones blind spot number six well you know what there's a couple moments in this issue that will give you a little chuckle here and there but this is written by kelly thompson art by marcio takara with colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This is the wrap-up of this particular series. The first five issues sort of took place in this one main storyline, and this is sort of the, the cool-down issue, the ep- almost like an epilogue. But it has also got a couple of beats in here where your like, heart rate just skyrockets for what's happening to Jessica and Luke and Danielle. Particularly, the very last page is some of Kelly's finest work. It is like smack you across the head with a baseball bat and then walk away and you don't know what is coming next or when. Yeah, so good. Uh, okay, next up for me is Punisher Soviet number six. It's written by Garth Ennis with pencils by Jason Burroughs, inks by Guillermo Ortego, colors by Nathan Woodard and letters by Rob Steen. It is definitely a enter at your own risk style storytelling because uh, look as has been the remit of this series as a whole it is hold nothing back uh super intense gory bloody uh classic punisher in that way and i really you know just firmly believe that garth ennis could put his punisher in any setting in any time and just make it work just because he knows this character so well and uh because he just has such a firm grip of the way that he challenges this character at the same time shout out to jason burroughs for his work on this series because uh, i think he is perfectly cast to do this story we talked about it when this series started he had a run on moon knight which i thought was excellent and uh yeah he is the perfect person to bring this kind of blood and guts type story to life with also you know some some great character acting at the same time yeah if you're a punisher fan if you're into max books this is your kind of story yeah tucker you mentioned that these books we're gonna stay down that dark road and oh yeah we sure do when we get to ravencroft number three written by frank thierry art by angel unzueta and jose luis with scott Hanna, colors by rochelle rosenberg and letters by vcs joe sabino there is a moment in this issue that made me gasp out loud something happens to a character that i love that i'm not going to spoil but i was just like oh no there's also a really great conversation in here from a group of villains about the movie aliens frank has this way of doing similar in some ways to matt rosenberg of like doing dialogue between like rough and tumble people that just feels like a natural conversation that these people would be having in the middle of all this horror it's just like they're just like bantering but it, I, I loved it it was really great some of the designs in this issue for the monsters and the weird creatures just it's that great thing that we're seeing from guys like joe bennett and others where it's like what is that and you try to wrap your head around what it is and it looks so cool okay next up we have 
Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider number four. It's written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam with art by Scott Hepburn, colors by Antonio Fabella, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. You know, Ryan, like when an, uh, a musician or a band will release a few albums and then let will like, you know, even if they've been around for like 10 or 15 years or they're four or five albums in, they'll release an album that's just self-titled again. <laughs> yeah. That is kind of how I view this series because it is exactly the Cosmic Ghost Rider that I think, you know, it's a it's a super new character in terms of the Marvel Universe, but it's the one that I think of for sure uh, with a specific emphasis on the word cosmic. Uh, and that's something that uh, is so fun to see Dennis Hopeless Helm take care of here because it is truly a grand huge nonstop action cosmic story. I think it weaves in beautifully the Punisher's kind of like 1980s heyday roots while at the same time being something totally fresh and feeling completely at home in 2020 in terms of the characters that that have been introduced in terms of the way that we view the Punisher and the Punisher's history and especially the cosmic Ghost Rider's history in terms of uh, the different monikers that the characters held. Uh, and I think this entire creative team takes care of it really, really nicely. Speaking of creative teams taking care of things so nicely, let's get to my second pick of the week with Road to Empire, the Kree Scroll War number one. This is written by Robbie Thompson with art by Matia Diulis, uh, who does the present day sequence, and then Javier Rodriguez and uh, Alvaro Lopez, who do the flashbacks, letters across by VCs Joe Caramagna. Those names right there are some of my favorite creators making comics top to bottom. Robbie does consistently some of my favorite books. Matia has been crushing it across everything from Jessica Jones to, you know, more recent work. Uh, and then Javier and Alvaro, come on, History of the Marvel Universe, Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme with Robbie. Like, this is a an Agent M murderer's row of yeah. talent book created in a lab for me to love it. <laughs> and it worked because it's so good. So this does a couple of things. It's a Perfect primer for our big event launching in April, Empire, which is, you know, cosmic things. You've got the Kree and the Skrull. They're formed together. They are coming to Earth. But it also is an amazing story of family, of loss, of grief, of forgiveness, of war, of hatred, of, of, of being a parent, of being a child. It is all these layers beautifully built into this one big sweeping narrative they do it so swiftly and easily that it sort of masks how difficult pulling this off really is um i see you nodding over there tucker that was literally my thought as i was reading is just how are they doing this it's because of the level of talent that it's pulled off like i said it's a setup for a, a story but also weaving in all these other stories and you got the flashbacks that give you the history of the kree the history of the scroll the history of that conflict and then the modern day stuff that leaps off of a book that we loved and we talked about like last year which was meet the scrolls the meet the scrolls storyline is just this wonderful espionage deep undercover story, but also again about family and loss and all these different things. Uh, so I highly suggest you check out Meet the Scrolls, And then this story will even have more weight, more power and more um, like emotional grist for you. This is get, this gets one of my highest possible recommendations. 
So from that grand cosmic epic woven in with this like amazing family story that you mentioned, Ryan, back to the depths that we were in just before with <laughs> Scream Curse of Carnage number five. It's written by Clay McLeod Chapman with art by Gary Brown and Chris Muniam, colors by Rain Barreto and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This one is is a kind of reversal of what I've talked about a little bit in this episode in terms of like having a character and having heart at the center of your story and then being able to do anything you want within that uh, and you still feel for the character. You still feel for it. I say it's a reversal of that because you have this character at the heart of this story in terms of Scream, the character, but then you have this kind of wild, enigmatic, difficult to define in terms of allegiances or alliances nightmare that the that this person turns into with Scream. But at the same time, it has that that character connection, that heart at the center of it, which is so important. I think it's something that this book does really well. This book is insane. If you have looked at it, if you've peeked at covers, if you looked in preview pages, I think you get instantly an idea of what it is. It is scratchy, wild, weird, symbiote action. And this issue absolutely delivers on that front. All right, let's move on to star number three, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Javier Pina with Felipe Andrade with colors by Jesus Apertov and lettering and design by VCs Clayton Cowles. This one, big, cool supervillain stuff because that's who star is. I, I guess she's not super full supervillain yet. They sort of discuss that like Scarlet Witch is like, do we really want a reality shifting supervillain? Another one? She's trying to help. And Captain Marvel's like, I just want to punch her. She's the worst. It's a lot of fun. But Star is someone who we get to especially get to see here is dealing with PTSD and trauma from the things that she's gone through around Captain Marvel. You see who Captain Marvel is from her perspective. We see Star having these panic attacks and because of Captain Marvel. It's a really intense sequence, but I thought it was so well done and so perfectly paced and told in this issue um i'm really interested to see how the black order plays into the story because we see black swan and and folks in here and um i don't know where they're going with it it's great okay now from the mighty marvel universe over to a galaxy far far away with star wars bounty hunters number two it's written by ethan Sachs with art by paolo villanelli colors by arif prianto and letters by vcs travis lanham ryan i figured it out as i was reading this book which stars valence the kind of cyborg bounty hunter bosk boba fett and tonga just a, a kind of collection of bounty hunters obviously as the title would suggest with this issue it's solidified ryan in my mind this book is x-force in star wars yes that's a great description not necessarily in terms of like character alignments per se but in terms of like the nonstop action, 100%. Uh, that is, for me, like something that that's kind of like my chocolate and peanut butter because I adore X-Force. It's one of my favorite books and has been since issue number one. Uh, and then, of course, obviously, I'm a major Star Wars fan. So when you mash all of that together and continuing to like honor this new exploration of Valence, I think that's so, so cool because until this character was kind of brought from Star Wars Legends into current continuity, 
it was something, it was a character that I found very interesting. And as we're getting to know him more and more, it is just a, a really rewarding experience. I think it's super, super cool and new. And I think he's a perfect entry point into this larger world of bounty hunters and of, you know, shifting kind of loyalties and anti-heroes and all of that good stuff, which is perfectly Star Wars. And I think that's something that Ethan and crew uh, really captured well. All right, let's get back to the Marvel Universe with Tarot Number 4, written by Alan Davis, art by Paul Renaud, colors by Stefan Petru, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This issue continues to feature these mashed-up versions of the Avengers and the Defenders. They battle demons and monsters, cartoon characters. They battle each other. They got other characters who come in. At one point, there's just, just massive citywide battle where everybody's just fighting everybody. Even the characters describe it as like, you know, in one of those Western movies where everybody starts fighting and they just start fighting everyone for no particular reason. That's a scene we get in this book, and it's a whole bunch of fun. It's a cool way that they wrap it all up and it comes back to reality, sort of clearing the decks giving us back to the where we started with this uh with this book but it's got a lot of really funky weird and fun uh character designs throughout after tarot we move on to wolverine wolverine number two look i just got done singing the praises of x-force this is by x-force writer benjamin percy with art by adam kubert colors by frank martin and letters by vcs Corey pettit it's so excellent on the second and third pages, we have a giant spread, 24 panels as we are aboard the Marauder. And literally in just in these two pages, I was like, oh, my God, I need a Ben Percy Bishop series. I need it. I like he he captures the spirit of that character so well in terms of like everything else that I've ever seen Ben Percy do, even all the way back to uh, uh, like Wolverine, the long night and the, the long night adaptation, but that like gritty cop story. Oh my God. That is something I am now dying for. Uh, anyway, uh, this is becoming one of those books that I'm going to find very, very difficult to talk about because Almost everything that happens feels so consequential, so huge, so many big moves being made. There's this incredible story arc going on with this detective who's kind of being tasked with tracing these drugs that have been made out of the Krakoan flowers. And there's this kind of underground world that is being fleshed out and explored in this book. And it is insane. I mean, there's like, as we go on into this book, there's something that happens that I was like, wait, wait, what? It was another one of those moments that is, as it continues happening, becomes a hallmark of what these X books are doing at the moment where you're just like, oh, that's, that's real. That's not a take back that is happening. And we got to deal with the consequences of that. Like I said, this is, this is just like punch in the face after punch in the face. It is such an awesome experience. I've never wanted to be punched in the face more than I do with the with this book. I don't know that that's true. I feel like you you <laughs> you you've, you've wanted to be punched in the face plenty. Uh, but another great mutant issue this week is X Men number nine, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Lanil Francis, Hugh colors by Sonny Go, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Tucker, do you like eggs? Can I, you eat I, eggs? I can. And Ryan, yesterday I made some egg salad. Yeah. Uh, why are we bringing that up? You'll see it when you read this issue. But it got to the point where I go, oh. Uh, but yep. this is a really cool story about the history and the future of the brood. I like that what this does sort of like 
puts a bunch of things into brood continuity and X-Men continuity without conflicting or contradicting things. It felt very much like a classic X-Men story where they're teaming up with space characters like the Shi'ar or, and the uh, Star Jammers, often also fighting those characters and, you know, being in space, fighting the brood. It's a very classic X-Men style story, but couched in everything that the X-Men is and are doing right now. Uh, there's also a great father-son moment with Gladiator and Kid Gladiator, which that's the thing I want to tell Jordan D. White, editor of the X-Books, give me that book. Just the two of them doing family stuff in their own terrifying, nigh invulnerable and impossible to stop way. One's a, like a smart ass kid. The other's the dad who's like, you know, regent king of space and let it happen from one x book now to another with our final book of the week this is x-men fantastic four number three it's written by chip zadarsky with pencils by terry dotson inks by rachel dotson and ransom getty with colors by laura martin alongside andrew crossley and peter pantazis uh, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I love the character work that's really being done with Franklin Richards. I mean, he's an unbelievable character. He's such an incredible character with so much to him. Uh, But to dig further and challenge him in the way that this book does is so cool. I I really feel like, you know, this is going to be a huge story in terms of the progression of Franklin Richards in general. Another huge thing that I loved with this book is Dr. Doom dealing with the mutants. Uh, It's so cool that, you know, I think the Fantastic Four story in here is kind of Doom's entryway. And then, of course, he's encountering everything else along the way. This issue also reminded me of something that I love, which is from that, you know, Dr. Doom is is the Fantastic Four big bad. You know, we know him as that. He's this team's ultimate enemy. But at the core of that even is this rivalry between Dr. Doom and Reed Richards. And that's something that I love. I love those moments. I love the venom that spits out even more than usual when those two are at odds, when those two are talking about each other, when those two are thinking and acting against each other. But to insert a character like Doom, who is such a behemoth, into this other conflict that's going on, I think just adds so much. It adds such this wild card element that you truly don't know where things are going to go. You don't know who's going to end up having to team up with who, who's going to deal with who in what way. I love it. It's so excellent. This was such a great issue of this series. Um, Okay, that's what we have for individual issues on sale this week. And now to run down the collections available this week, we have Thor Epic Collection Into the Dark Nebula and Star Wars Legends Epic Collection The Clone Wars Volume 3. Uh, we also have Captain America by Tanahasi Coates, Volume 1, and Captain America by Tanahasi, Volume 3, The Legend of Steve. We also have Dawn of X, Volume 4, Doctor Doom, Volume 1, Pottersville, and Future Fight Firsts. 
definitely check out Doctor Doom Volume One Pottersville. Uh, if you've not read that book yet, it it's really really cool. All right, on to Marvel Unlimited. Of course, uh, as we've been mentioning throughout the show, we're going to have an, a list on Marvel Unlimited, both the app and the website, with some picks and suggested readings and sort of bonus issues for you to check out if there are other books that we've talked about that you dig. Uh, new books out this week on MU include Absolute Carnage number three, which is great uh the the team just does such really good work there black panther and the agents of wakanda number one it's cool if you want to start in on that series and see what they're doing with black panther's kind of own version of shield history of the marvel universe number three perfection house of x number five so good spider-man number one by um the abramses and sarah pakeli surprised the heck out of me i think that was one of our picks the week it came out yeah Um, it's really really good so definitely check that out once again, I want to remind you, go to comicshoplocator.com. Find your local comic shop. Find some that are out there that you can support and get your comics from because uh, every little bit helps for all the shops out there. This issue of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos, Tucker Marcus, Jorge Estrada, MR Daniel, and Zachary Goldberg. Our audio development manager is Lauren Wiener. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Big thanks, as always, to our pal Brad Barton, who's on the uh, audio development side for Marvel New Media. Uh, He, like many of us, is at home reading comics, working his butt off, and um, just trying to make some great new content for you guys. Look, there's no irony in there. It's just pure happiness and positivity. That's right, Tom. Yay, Brad. Yay, Brad. Uh, We'll be back with another episode next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. Your Universe.